Father, we come today just acknowledging that you're all we need. You're all we need when it comes to salvation and singing that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation, and, and we accept him and believe that, and we're thankful for that. And as we come, we, we also acknowledge and surrender ourselves to you once again as we continue in worship during our, our service, and we want to honor you and glorify you. We want to meet with you. We want to hear from you, God. We want the Holy Spirit to move as only the Holy Spirit can. And God, I just pray before you today and as your people today that you would speak to us through your word, that you would challenge us in your word, that it's so important this time to remove distractions and, and let us forget anything else we have going on today and just really continue to focus on you and hear from you because you deserve that and you want to speak to us. So let us not just sing about it. Let us hear now and receive what you have for us and then take it and, and be changed as only you can change us. God, you love the family. You created the family. And you want to bless our families. So speak to us as only you can today. In Jesus' name, we pray. And God's people said. We're going to continue in our series today, My Crazy Family. It's the third message. Uh, just real quick recap. You can always go online and, and catch up if you haven't heard them or go back and listen again. But this week, we're going to talk about uh, God's strategy for the home. All right, the first week we talked about uh, what God wants in a family, in a biblical marriage, and that kind of thing as far as who, who we are and, and establishing a home like that. And if parents will lead that way in the home, the kids will generally follow. Last week was a fun message, right? How to raise kids. I got a lot of uh, comments on that one and, and little snarky ones too, but that's okay. Uh, it's all right. So we talked about raising kids and how to raise kids in a biblical manner, in a biblical way. And again, I encourage you to, to go back, listen, examine it, look at the scriptures, teach it to your kids. And this week, again, we're going to look at God's strategy for the home. Our purpose is to, to go from where where we are to where God wants us to be. So we want dads and we want moms. We want students. We want kids. We want grandma and grandpas and, and whatever. We want families to go from where they are to where God wants them to be. Now, sometimes that's, that's in an encouraging way. Sometimes we're encouraged. Hey, we're doing good. Hey, keep it up, right? We need that rah-rah moment, that encouraging moment, that complimentary moment. Sometimes we need a kick in the backside to be able to get moving again. Sometimes we get stuck, amen? Is that fair? Sometimes we're not doing what we need to be doing, and, and God's Word challenges us on that. So I, I appreciate you uh, showing up and being here uh, to come worship and also a part of this series, because here's what we're going to do. God wants to establish stable, godly, biblical homes. That's what He wants. Rarely do you see a home fall apart from external pressure only. But the only way you see a godly home survive is when God is being honored in that home, when God is first in that home. The external pressures are always there. But when you add internal pressures and don't put God in that mix, the family unit falls apart. So that's why I want to cover God's strategy for a biblical home today. One man said this, our marriage started off as ideal, it quickly became an ordeal, and now we're looking for a new deal. <laughs> I heard that groan. 
Another man said this, we were married by the justice of the peace, and since then I've had neither justice or peace. <laughs> God wants to bless the marriage. Do you believe that today? God wants to bless our marriages. He wants to bless our homes more than we want him to. He wants to, to do that. God never intended for anyone anyone to ever go through a divorce. Now it happens and it can be forgiven and we can move on and be who God wants us to be. But God's intention was never for anyone to ever go through a divorce, ever, or for families to be split up. God wants to bless every minute, every second, every day, every month of our home life. He wants to and he will. But here's the thing, we make a mess of things. We're the ones that mess it up. So let's see what God has for us today. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5 if you haven't already. What we're going to cover is this. Men and women, students listen, you're not married yet, but listen, you'll need this later. What is our biblical role in the home? See, we grow up with this thought or idea of the kind of husband or kind of man we want to be. Does it line up with Scripture? We, ladies grow up with this idea of what kind of wife or mother or uh, woman they want to be. Does that line up with Scripture? You see, the only way God will bless our homes is when we get right in the middle of the role he created us to be in. When we go against that role, we sin against him, and he won't bless it. So that's what we're going to cover today. I sometimes hear people say, you know, all he cares about is himself. Or my kids just won't listen. Or maybe I chose the wrong person to marry. There's a tough one to live with. And I've heard that. You know, maybe I chose the wrong person to marry, so therefore God's never going to bless our marriage. But whatever the thought is, the home, without God being honored in it, will never be what God wants it to be, ever. Whatever the excuse for saying, uh, we're, we're not going to honor God here, you're, what you're basically saying is, I don't want God's blessing on this. See, ultimately, we're responsible for our homes. You are responsible for your home. You I can get up here and preach all day, but I can't go home and make you do it with, to your house and make you do it. You're not coming to my house and making me do it. Every one of us is responsible. I want you to get this mental picture as best you can in your head. I, I can't describe it adequately because really scripture doesn't do it, but you understand. Now, I want to go here to understand the, the seriousness of this. We all will stand before Jesus Christ one day if we know him as Lord and Savior. We'll stand before him one day and he will judge what we've done here. He, he will examine what we've done here and why we did it, the motive behind we did it. And, and we will stand to give an account for our homes one day. We will stand to give an account for the life we lived. We will stand and give an account for, for loving him or not loving him, for honoring him or not honoring him, for, for doing things for selfishness, for selfish gain, or doing them for God's glory. We're going to be judged one day. And that scares me. I don't know about you. <laughs> that motivates me at times. And it should. And this is why it's so important to know what God's word says, which we covered the very first week, to teach it, to live it, to, to live by example, to, to set the example, to know God's word. We're going to be accountable not only here and now, but before God one day. There's not only consequences now for not living for God, but there'll be consequences of giving accounting to Jesus one day too. So here's the thought for this sermon. We need to model a godly marriage in order to have a godly home. We need to model a godly marriage in order to have a godly home. We need a godly home to truly honor God. Without God in the marriage, there is no godly home. So let's see what the Word of God has for us today, this morning, concerning the thought of God's strategy 
for a home. In Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to get to our text in just a second, but let's set this up a little bit. God is speaking, the Holy Spirit's moving in the Apostle Paul's life, and he's having him write this letter to the uh, Ephesians, the believers there in Ephesus, and, and he's writing this letter to them, giving them instruction. Now, some of the instruction was encouraging, was uplifting, edifying. Hey, guys, you're doing well. Some of it was not. It was challenging. You're, you're, you're not doing what God wants you to do. You're not being who God wants you to be. And in chapter 4, it talks about walking as a believer in Christ. See, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you haven't believed in him, that his death, burial, and resurrection, and, and his salvation for you, you don't have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. That's just what Scripture says. That's the step you need to take. You need to humble yourself and take that step. Believe in Christ as Savior. But for those of us that have done that, Paul's writing to those of us and saying, here's the walk of a spirit-filled believer. Here's what God expects you to do. Look at chapter 5 and verse 1. I know I didn't have it in your text, but I want to start there. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, uh, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. And he goes on and, and, and he goes, and let, let this be who you are. Let this be what you do. Let this be how you speak or you talk. In the home, outside the home, wherever we are as believers in Christ, this is who we're supposed to be. So then he gets to, to verse uh, 18. Look at that. And he says, do not be drunk with wine in which is dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, I was reading that this week, and I thought, you know, I've never really spoken a hymn to Jill. Have you ever spoke to your spouse in a hymn? Yeah, I didn't. I haven't either. So I'll let you do with that what you want. I'll do with it what I want. Okay? Uh, as the Holy Spirit leads, let me say that. Verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, I'll come back to that. Look at 22. Wives. Who's he speaking to here? Who? Okay. Or unmarried women yet that are still looking, you know, being ready for. <laughs> Submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, I always stop here and say this. I did not write this, ladies. Okay? So if you don't like that, you take it up with, with God, not me. Right? He says, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. We'll come back. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Say that last word, ladies. It's 90% of what you feel like, right? Is that what it says? <laughs> you don't want to say it. I wouldn't either, so. All right, verse 25. Husbands, who's he talking to now? Mm, thank you. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing 
the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So ought husbands to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So what is our role as a godly man? What's our role as a godly woman in the marriage? What, what does God expect from us? Because if we get right in the middle of that role, trying to fulfill that role, that's when God pours his blessing on the marriage and on the home because they are the same thing. So the first thought I had from this text is this. I'm going to work backwards. Is you then me. Our role in a marriage is you then me. Look at verse 33 again. It says, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now he's, he's, he's summing this up here at the end of this chapter. Right? He's gone through the different roles. He's given different instruction. Wives, husbands, together submit yourselves unto the Lord. And then he kind of wraps it up there in 33 and he basically says this. You need to put each other first. You, then me. Husbands and wives are to, to love each other and treat each other with respect. We need to treat the other with dignity and not always be concerned about getting our own way. We can't always have or say, I, I have my own rights. I, I, it's all about me. We cannot and should not be dis, disrespectful to our spouses. When we say, I do, we agree to putting someone else in front of us. Did you know that? When we stood up and followed the laws of the land and we stood before God and witnesses and we made our vows and we said, I do, that meant that that person is now to come in front of me. The problem in so many marriages is this. We didn't commit to that. I'm still number one in my marriage and that's a problem. Several years ago, there was a movement called I Am Second. Y'all remember that? I mean, there was a lot of videos going on. A lot of professional athletes were doing it. And basically what they were saying, they were believers in Christ, and they were saying, God is first, I am second. Well, let me apply something here. In a marriage, me, I am third. God's first, my spouse is second, I am third. And then when kids come along, and the job responsibilities come along, and you know, other things come up, I may be seventh. I may be ninth, and I may be twelfth, and that's okay. That's God's design. The struggle, the problem is this. So many men and so many women, they're number one in the marriage. God's not. They are. And even if they do decide, okay, I'm going to make God number one in the marriage, they're number two. Their spouse is not before them. They're living a very selfish life. And get this, selfishness kills a marriage. And if the marriage is not what it should be, the home will never be what it should be, and therefore it will never be a godly home, a biblical home. It can't be. If I'm loving my wife 
as myself, then I will think about this. I'll think about her needs and her wants and her desires above myself. Verse 21, if you look at it right there, it says, submitting yourselves one to another as unto the Lord, right? As unto the God. And, and so I'm honoring God. I'm loving God. I'm submitting to him. And that word submit, let me just break it down real quick. That word submit doesn't mean to be a doormat. It doesn't mean you have to do what everybody says or what your husband and wife, they're a dictator. It doesn't mean that at all. That word submit means to put somebody else's wants, needs, and desires in front of your own. So if I submit to God, I'm putting his wants and his needs and his desires in front of my own. Who does he expect me to be? What instruction has he given me? What role does he have for me? I submit to his leadership in my life, willfully submit, right? It's the choice I make. I submit to that and I follow it because I love God and I want his blessing. No different that word submit there. We submit to each other. We are to put our wives or our husbands wants, needs, and desires in front of our own. That's what we're to do. It's always been interesting to me that we usually marry somebody opposite. Can I get an amen? I mean, they're opposite from us. And then as soon as we say I do and the honeymoon's over, we set on this, this reconstruction plan to try to make that spouse just like us. You ever done that? You ever been there? If you would just respond the way I respond or I want you to respond, if you would just act more like me, if you would just do things the way I want you to do them, our marriage will be better. Guess what? Opposites attract and they will never be like you. Can I get an amen? I, can you imagine two of you? <laughs> oh my gosh. And that would be terrible. And I don't care who you are. If there's two of me, that'd be terrible. Right? Why do we try to make them like us? We know that's not a good thing. We know it'll never happen. But yet in a marriage, we try to do that. Opposites attract. We need to accept one another's differences. Uh, one may be an early riser. Another one may not believe in God till noon. I mean, that's just the way it is. One may be impulsive. The other is deliberate. One may be daring. The other is cautious. You got your elbows ready? Come on. This is the time. One is loud. The other is quiet. One loves to spend money. The other is a tightwad. And the tightwads out there right now are thinking, that's, that's not, we're thrifty. We're not a tightwad. We're thrifty. Yeah, I've heard that one. One's a real romantic. One is not. One is always on time. The other one hadn't been on time in their entire life. <laughs> Opposites attract. One leaves clothes everywhere in the house. The other one always puts them in the hamper in the basket. One turns on lights while the other one follows the other one around, turning off every light in the stinking house. <laughs> yeah, I see. I like it, man. They're pointing. We're getting it. I like that. One's a heater at night while the other one has feet that they must have soaked in an ice bucket before they got in bed. Get your feet off of me. One drives fast. The other one drives one mile an hour under the speed limit at 10 and 2. <laughs> One speaks their mind while the other one holds everything in and then eventually explodes. One loves 18 stinking pillows on the bed. While the other one thinks, we're getting back in it tonight. Why do we make this again? <laughs> Opposites attract. Accept the fact and this includes everyone, teenagers, students, kids, right? God made us different and be thankful. Can you imagine again if we were all the same? That wouldn't be any fun. Differences are not necessarily wrong. They're just different. 
I, I, if you like Miracle Whip and I like mustard, that doesn't make one of us right or wrong. It just means I have better taste than you. <laughs> it's possible to have different opinions and both be right and still get along. Look at verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. Men, do you love your wife as much as you love yourself? And let the wife see that she respects her husband. See, it's hard to love your wife unless you're spending time with her and meeting her needs and submitting to her. It's hard to love your husband and show him the respect that Scripture tells us you should as ladies when you're living for yourself, when it's a selfish life. Chapter before this, Ephesians 4, 32, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. There's a lot of forgiveness that needs to happen in marriages. A lot. You'd be surprised what a simple kind word, a note, a kind text will do for a relationship, for a family member. Uh, I read about a, a guy that he... he was challenged on this. So on the way home from work, he bought a dozen roses for his wife. And he walked in the house and he, he, he handed her the dozen roses and she sat down frustrated. <laughs> and of course, we're brain dead. So it's like, well, what's going on? I don't understand. It's not the reaction I thought I would get. And she said, oh, just, this is just great. This is just fantastic. The cat got ran over. I had to take it to the vet. Cost $300. The dishwasher backed up. Flooded the entire floor. The kids are not minding. They won't do what I ask. And now you show up home drunk. This is great. We need to show kindness regularly. (laughs) So our family members don't need smelling salt when we do something kind. And you may say, you may, I've heard this, right? Well, I don't feel like being considerate. When they are, I'll be. Well, why don't you lead the way? Because I promise you this, feelings follow actions. If you'll act loving, the love will come after that. If you'll act compassionate, the compassion will come. If you'll act considerate, consideration, you'll be considerate. You'll feel it then. Mark Twain said this, he could go two months on a compliment. Replace what is best for you for what is best for your spouse and kids. Me, my, and mine is a great recipe for a broken home and a broken marriage. So look at verse 21 with me. Verse 21 says, again, submitting to one another in the fear of God. I promise you this. If you're not submissive to God, you'll never be submissive to your husband and wife. It starts with God. It begins with God. You cannot have a God-honoring home if you're not honoring God. So we honor God, and then we carry that over into our relationships. So we have to make sure our relationship with God is where it needs to be first, and then let it carry over. God's strategy for the home begins here. You say, I want a godly marriage. I want a biblical marriage. I want a biblical home. I want our kids to know we love God here, that we're going to honor God here. Well, it starts with you, mom and dad. It starts with you in honoring and submitting to God's leadership. See, when you're kids, you bring them to church, and you should, and they hear sermons like this, and it's good. In their mind, they're not married yet. So what are they examining this sermon by? Your marriage. The home they're in right now. And if you go home and don't change, if you don't go home and talk about this, like we talked around in Deuteronomy 6 in the very first message, if you don't go talk about this as a family and say, this is who we want to be and we've got to change because none of us are perfect. 
but we want to grow. We want to go from where we are to where God wants us to be. And the kids are watching that too. The grandkids are watching that. But then look at verse 24. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Women are supposed to be, to put Christ first in their lives and then submit to their husband's leadership. Now listen, ladies, as long as he's leading you to honor God, you're to follow that. That's what we're supposed to do. Part of the problems in the homes we have today is we've got a lot of women who will not submit to God, and they're certainly not going to submit to their husband, even though he's trying to lead a godly in godly way. Now, I understand if he's not leading godly, some of you ladies got to step up and try to be that stable, godly person in the home. I get that. Shame on you guys. But for the ladies, I get that. But you got to ask yourself, is my husband striving to be a godly man? Does he want to? I'm not, I didn't say perfect. None of us are. I'm just saying, what's his heart? What's he desire? What's he want more than anything? And then you're to follow that. You're to support him in that. You're to respect him in that. That's your role. And again, God wrote this. I didn't. When you disrespect your husband in front of the kids, when you disrespect your husband in front of friends, in front of someone else, that is not God honoring. God doesn't bless that. Many of the problems, again, present in homes today because we have a wife that's not willing to submit to God or submit to her husband. So where are you today, ladies, on this very basic role here in the Word of God? It's very clear. It's not hard to understand. Where are you? Think this past week, ladies. This past week, did you submit to God's leadership in your life? And did you submit to your husband? Did you respect him? Honor him, love him, put his wants, needs, and desires in front of your own. Did you do that as a godly woman this week? See, that's the role. Say, I want a biblical home. I want a, a godly marriage. I want God to be honored in our home. Well, it starts with you and your role. So this past week, ladies, how'd you do? Look at verse 25. Husbands. Love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Men, we are to love our wives as much as Christ loves the church. And, and I don't know how else to put this other than this. That's a lot. I don't have the words to state how much that is. Because I can't grasp the love of God. And I can't grasp the true love of Jesus who, who gave his life for us. I really, in my finite mind, can't grasp that. But as much as I possibly can grasp that type of love, that's what I'm to show to my wife. Men, that's what we're to show to our wife. That's what should be on display to our wives. That we are submitting to her. We're submitting to God and submitting to her. We're putting her wants and her needs and her desires in front of our own. I am third. At least. Third. So let's face it, guys. We are selfish suckers. Can I get an amen? Thank you for being honest. We are prideful beings. Amen? That's the way God created us in the flesh. We are. Every one of us guys are. And if you don't think you are, ask your wife. <laughs> ask somebody as close to you. We are all prideful, selfish suckers. 
We wake up in the morning. Our first thought is not, what can I do for my wife today? Is it? No, it's about me. But it needs to transfer quickly. There are too many selfish men in marriages who are living for themselves instead of applying God's strategy for the home. We want God's blessing. We want God to pour out his blessing. We want godly homes. But men, listen to me. We have to lead the way in our role in the home to have a godly home. And I, I thank you for being here today. I thank you for, for not beating me up after church for a message like this. But this is so important. Guys, how'd you do this past week? How did you absolutely love God this past week? And how did you absolutely love your wife this past week? How did you submit to her? How did you put her wants and needs and desires in front of your own? See, here's what happened. I've said this before, so you'll probably remember this, especially if you went through any kind of discipleship with me. What happens is this. If the husband or wife, either one gets selfish in the relationship, either one, they start meeting their own needs, their own wants, and their own desires. They do what they want when they want it. It causes the other one to get selfish. So now we have two selfish people living under the same roof, not honoring God. Usually meet in the middle with the kids. What's for supper? What activities do the kids have? What are we doing this weekend? But what we don't have is two people submitting to God, submitting to each other, and, and living this role that God has created for us of putting each other first. Most marriages live under the same roof in a very selfish way. That's not the role God has for us. And we're screaming for God's blessing. And God says, I, I've given you your role. Get in the middle of your role. Humble yourselves. Surrender yourself. And I'll bless I'll bless like you've never experienced before. And then verse 31. It says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now this is nothing new. This is Ephesians. But all the way back in Genesis chapter 2, God said the same thing in the very first marriage that he created with Adam and Eve. He said, when you're joined together, you're going to become one flesh. And what that means is this, and you've got to get this. It's so important. What does that one flesh mean? It means that, again, when you stand up by the laws of the land, whatever they are, and you get married, you make that covenant with God and to each other, that promise and say those vows and say I do, and you do that, and when you consummate that marriage, you become one in God's eyes as husband and wife. You become one, one flesh to God. And that means this, God will never, ever lead a husband and wife to do this, ever. The Holy Spirit will never lead you in separate directions. He can't because God sees you as one. If one of you says, we need to move to Montana, and the other one says, I think we need to move to Texas, you don't need to go because one of you is wrong or both of you are wrong. God will always lead us together as husband and wife. Always. Because he sees us as one. And you shall be one flesh. God's plan for man and woman is to become one by joining together. God will never lead us in separate lives. God will never lead a husband and wife to make separate decisions, ever. Ever. And yet so many homes, that's the standard. He does his thing. She does her thing separately. And we meet in the middle somewhere on the finances or the kids. 
That is not the home God desired for us. That's not the biblical home. God has a strategy, and that strategy is we get right in the middle of this role for us. And then he starts pouring out his blessing. Then we model for our kids what a godly home looks like. We set the example for them. God's strategy is for us to get right in the middle of his role for us as husbands and as wives so that he can bless our marriage. We need to model a godly marriage in order to have a godly home. So how are you doing today when it comes to fulfilling your role in a marriage? How are you doing today? How are you doing today when it comes to putting others in your family in front of yourself? How are you doing? I have a lot of work to do. How about you? Just me? Well, I'm glad you were here so God could speak to me. <laughs> Pray with me. Father, again, we come before you. And I thank you for your word and the truth it has for us. And, and I know there are those hearing this, myself included, as we see what you have for us and, and, and we begin to just scratch the surface of our role in a marriage, understanding that it begins with a submissive heart to you, being willing to live that life that's pleasing to you, to study in your word, to know what you expect from us as men and women, as students. Because a student can disrupt the home <laughs> as much as a, 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 a dad or a mom can. God, thank you for your word, and, and I pray for us as the men here today hearing this, even the teenagers here hearing this, that we would see our role and that we would desire to live in that role you have for us as godly men, to absolutely love you, to submit to you, Father, to lay our pride aside, to humble ourselves before you. And let that carry over to our wives, that we would lay our pride aside, lay our, our selfishness aside. Let the Holy Spirit lead us and walk as that believer in Christ and set the example of submissiveness to you and to our wives. To put her wants and needs and desires in front of our own. And God, for the wives here today, that, that they would just get right in the middle of their role of absolutely loving you, loving their husbands, putting him first, and, and God, that, that this thing called marriage and this, this home that you've created, that we would get right in the middle of the roles together, encouraging each other in those, and just watch how you will pour out your blessing on the homes. So God, as we leave here today, I pray that every one of us would not just walk out and not change. But wherever you've challenged us, whatever we have been <laughs> convicted in, that we would be a people that are willing to grow and to change and go from where we are to where you want us to be. I pray that families would talk about this, that husbands and wives would talk about it, that kids would talk about it. That we wouldn't live the same kind of week that we did this past week because we're striving to be more who you want us to be. And your strategy for a biblical home. God, we love you. And we thank you for this time we could get together. In Jesus' name, amen.